What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 95 Adventure Podcast. Before we get started, two things. One, as always, rnkmobilerverepair.com. I know it might be nauseating if you listen to it all the time. Maybe somebody hasn't heard it, so I'm going to say it again. rnkmobilerverepair.com for any sort of issues you may have with your camper, RV, trailer, travel trailer, whatever it may be. If it's a mobile living device, they come to you, they fix it, and have you back on the road in no time and enjoying your vacation. If you're parked at a state park and it starts to rain and your windows are leaking, you got a leak in the roof, it's on the bed, the kids are upset, they come out there, they fix it, and they have you sleeping peaceful and waking up bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and enjoying your vacation without a hiccup. So, go to their website, save their number, rnkmobilerverepair.com. Second thing is go to iTunes and it, this goes for any podcast that you listen to. Go to iTunes and if you like the podcast, give it a five-star rating and write a review if you wish. But for sure that five-star rating helps it pop up when any keywords uh, that people type in, it pops it up to the top of the list. So it's really appreciated by any podcast host. So if you love them, if you enjoy them and you want to help them out, give it that five-star rating. Now. On to the episode, which is so exciting. I had Jordan Whitehead. We talk about breathing. We talk about wellness. We talk about movement. We talk about sleep and how it affects your overall health and maybe even what you eat. Uh, Just a fun conversation about anything to do with health and longevity and working for the long term instead of these short-term gains. So I'll let Jordan explain all of the information and tidbits about uh, her knowledge and her passion and what she moved to Houston for in the first place. So without any further delay, please enjoy Jordan Whitehead. And it's up and going. Hey, Aaron. Doing, doing really well. How about yourself? I'm doing great, Jordan. I'm doing awesome. We're... uh we're just trucking, man. Just trucking. Uh, why don't you? Why don't we get into just right off the bat? We'll just get right into it and ask you about what prompted your move down to Houston from College Station and um, the stuff you're getting into now. Yeah, um, yeah. So I guess we moved here last June, um, and. You know that that took that was a hard decision for us because we really loved College Station. We um, really loved all the people. Um, okay, so we didn't love the town of College Station. There's not much to do in College Station, but we loved the people, and that was like the biggest draw. And so, um, you know, it was a hard decision. Um, but you know, I was working for uh, an orthopedic practice there in town, um, running a wellness program, and that was such a really cool opportunity. Um, but it was still it was still tough. It was um, you know the the environment and what I was doing kind of day to day, it wasn't super, super fulfilling. Um, and kind of going back to, to Houston, you know, I went to school in Houston. There was a lot of people in Houston that we knew. Specifically, there was a chiropractor that took care of me when I was in college. Um, so I, I hurt my back really bad playing soccer uh, when I was at Rice. And literally, like, first week, got sent to this guy, and he pretty much, like, became, like, my one guy. Almost like, I call him, like, my primary care physician. Like, I go to him for everything. Um, but for a long time, he always joked about me coming and working um, with him in his practice in some capacity. And, you know, I'd always kind of laugh and, and joke and be like, okay, that's just hearsay. Um, but then it, as the year went on last year, that became more of a reality. He had called me and, and had presented this opportunity to come and 
basically start my own training and nutrition business within his chiropractic uh, practice. So, you know, we were looking for some things, whether it was in College Station, um, we were open to moving away, and then, you know, I just went down and then talked to him, and, um, you know, it was just an opportunity to kind of use a lot of the things that I had been, that I'd studied in college and my background and the things I had been learning over the years, and kind of get to take it and run with it in my own way. Um, it was a really cool opportunity, um, very unknown, you know, basically starting from scratch, uh, but I did know that there'd be a lot of training involved, um, working with people, you know, who see chiropractors who might have some sort of pain going on um, and get to help them in that capacity and hopefully also help out with, you know, nutrition and other lifestyle factors. Um, so, yeah, we, we went and visited him last April, 2018, and then decided to move there in May, um, and then we, I started up June 1st. Um, my first couple months were pretty quiet, just kind of getting started, but kind of once August came, it just kind of took off, um, whether it's because people were back in town. Um, so now, yeah, I have this kind of full-blown um, kind of strength and conditioning practice within the chiropractor's office, um, and also do a little bit of um, just overall wellness coaching as well. Yeah, well, this is what interests me because I'm outspoken about this. It's not a shy. I, and I even told the only chiropractor that I actually, um, like, I don't want to say respect, but like or believe that he does, like, good work out of his office there in College Station. I even told him when I saw him, like, I'm not a big believer in chiropractors. Um, but your this situation you have in, in Houston is interesting to me because – He's not only doing the, the, he's not doing the typical, I'm going to crack your bones and send you on your way. He's added you on to be a movement specialist, like yeah. to really get people moving better and properly to really like be proactive instead of just reactive, crack your bones back and make you feel better for a second. Yeah, that, that's the whole philosophy of this practice. It's called spine and sport. Um, and there's three chiropractors here and they've been around for a while. Um, and their whole thing is, is not just crack and pop it so let's, let's look at the muscles let's look at other things you know how's your sleep how's you know, your hydration i mean times he's told me i'm dehydrated when something isn't working well it's frustrating um <laughs> but you know it's, it's more of that whole listen i'm telling you he'll put a water bottle next to me and all of a sudden things work and i don't understand but um yeah it's, it's a more holistic approach to the person and so i think chiropractic the field in general it's gotten that that reputation of kind of being that quick fix it feels good initially but then you go back and it maybe helps it might not have helped it never really sticks um and what we found is by you know maybe combining some movement some strength and conditioning just moving in the proper way with you know the right stability and the right strength foundation that can actually really couple well with chiropractic care because not only now are we getting getting you into the right position um whether that's you know anatomically or making sure your muscles are you know not um don't have any trigger points or anything like that um but now we're let's let's reinforce that let's get the muscles strong and let's let's learn how to move our bodies well so i really love that about all the chiropractors in this office um you know that that's their vision that's their goal they're they're active themselves and i think that speaks a lot um but yeah, you, you don't you don't go in and just get popped all the time. It's like, hey, let's let's see how everything plays together. And if you need it and you want to, like, there's an opportunity to train um, in, in a safe way to make sure that this lasts and that you don't have to keep coming back. You know, the thing when I first moved here, I, I joked with them. I was like, I want basically I want to get rid of your clients. Like, I want them to like 
see you and then see me for a little bit and then feel like they, you know, um, they are confident to move past and they don't have to keep coming back to the chiropractor. So I think that's one of my main goals is both in fitness and by working in this chiropractic office is to be able to um, encourage people and then help them have the confidence um, to be able to take care of themselves on their own. So. So let's see if I went if I'm coming into your office and like okay. I go get I I got an ailment like you know shoulders lower back hip mm-hmm. he comes in there and he like cracks and pops me and then says says hey we've got this other person on there and I come to see you so that I can figure out why am I what what kind of things are you wh- where are we going to start the process Yeah um yeah, usually within the chiropractic uh, visit, you might he might find some, you know, maybe some uh, muscle deficiencies or imbalances like that. But basically, you start with me, and we do kind of a full movement assessment. The whole first session is um, just taking you through a bunch of different movements, some as basic as, like, bend down and touch your toes, just to look at, you know, basically your, your lumbar function, um, to doing an overhead squat with, not with weight, but like with a, a dowel or a PVC pipe, just to kind of look at the whole body functions together, and so I'm just get eyes on the person and see, okay, you know, is it their hips, or are their hips super limited, um, you know, do they have just poor movement mechanics, honestly, a lot of times it's just people weren't taught correctly, and so learning how to do something as simple as a hip hinge to going to pick something up off the ground or uh, just a basic body weight squat, you know, just the way they perform that is causing the pain oftentimes. And so trying to identify what's the limiting factor and where we need to start. And then from there, we should we just start training. So, I mean, you know, I think sometimes I get um, labeled as like therapy and I'm, I'm like, I'm not a physical therapist. I'm a strength coach by my by education and trade. Um, but I believe that strengthening in the right way can really help recover rehab and prepare you for uh, just future success so um, and everyone's different some people it's just super basic to start some I mean I'm like oh you know what you move pretty well you don't have any hindrances we just need strength and we need stability so let's start doing some basic squats you know maybe with a goblet you know a, a weight or something in the front let's just start doing some basic hinging motions just to, to relearn those patterns so um, most, most often, just depending on what you come in for, you know, we would look at if it's knee or if it's back, what's maybe causing that. And if there is, we address the movement, maybe the mobility. And if it's not, we just train and, and try to make it stronger and more stable. Well, it's a really difficult, it's a really difficult thing to figure out because you, 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 if you said, oh, do you know how to squat? Everybody would say, yeah, I know how to squat. No big deal, right? Well, then you see people squat, and there's all sorts of different variations. Knees come in, weight on the balls of your feet, don't get low enough. You know, you, the mobility that we hide from ourselves that we can't feel sometimes in everybody is is kind of like it's eye-opening to see sometimes just the new, like the little tiny nuances that can cause a problem. Uh, for instance, you know, I got told like because of my the bow-legged shape of my legs, like not severe, but like bow-legged, that when I squat, I keep tension on there, tightens this muscle, goes all the way down below the knee and comes back up and causes like knee, hip, and lower back pain just from this this thing not being stretched out properly. So I have to constantly be working on stretches and things like that. And that's, that's in me who's been like trying to do a proper squat forever. So people who haven't, um, noticing those things, w- w- 
where would you start with them like, oh yeah, I can squat, and then they squat, and then what do you tell them when, when you see something like they're a little bit on the balls of their feet, or their knees are coming in a little bit? Like, where do you start with that? Yeah, so what I do is I start with the thing I think that makes the biggest impact. So um, usually, yeah, if they're weights in their toes, it's like, hey, let's just start getting back to the heels, and I'll maybe, maybe have them sit back to a bench or a box, just something where they have a target, and they got... Uh, just kind of start feeling that motion. Um, sometimes it's, it's you know, the thing I've really noticed is like, yes, there's definitely good and, and bad squats. You know, I think there's definitely a, a distinguished uh, or, you know, a distinct distinction there. Um, but everyone's also different. Just everyone's anatomy is different. So sometimes it's like, you know, you've been squatting really narrow and just the way your hips are, and you need to go a little wider. So sometimes it's as simple as, hey, bring your feet out a little bit wider and it, it fixes it. You know, they now have enough room to get their hips down into a pretty deep squat. Um, but yeah, the biggest thing I always look for is like, what's the biggest thing, maybe the biggest red flag um, that we need to address? And by just doing that, it will help relieve symptoms and improve. Now, there's always going to be, you know, you're, you're a crossfitter, like, there's always things to improve on, whether it's squatting, deadlifting, whatever we're lifting, um, whether it's, you know, we tend to let the, the chest fall or maybe your knees cave in as the weight gets heavier. Um, and those things, yes, we want to work on them. But to me, just being able to do a good bodyweight squat, a lot of times it's just as simple as fixing the one glaring thing that's sticking out. Um, and I think that's really encouraging when you show them that. And, you know, so, like, I'll have them go through a squat or a deadlift or a press or a pull, and I'm like, hey, just change this one thing. And all of a sudden they, they, they do it and they do it well. I think it's really encouraging for them because they're like, oh, I'm, I'm not broken and I'm not, you know, um, unathletic it's just I've just been doing it wrong um, whether it's from lack of coaching or poor coaching or whatever it was um, and it's really cool to see them grasp that and actually feel better and perform better yeah I imagine it is I imagine it's awesome to see the relief on somebody's face like oh this feels so good like this, it's awkward oh, so but cool. then when you get it and they're like oh I'm, I'm squatting like pain free or I'm lifting this shoulder overhead because the shoulders are another one like what do you what do you see as the most common problem is it hips knees shoulders all three what, what's the comp, most common one <laughs> um, the shoulders and more specifically like the thoracic spine so the shoulder blades um, and then really 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 tight hip flexors um, and that's often just because at least a lot of my clients tell it's, it's people who work, you know, women use them in the oil industry, you know, in that area. So we've got a lot of people who work in big business and they sit all day and so they come and see me and their shoulders are rounded forward. They don't feel like they have any range of motion in their back. Their hips are super tight so much that they can't like, you know, do anything without them feeling tight. And that's often one of the biggest places we start is we just start doing some basic shoulder mobility and a lot of thoracic mobility. So just trying to extend and rotate kind of in those shoulder blades. And then in the hips, just trying to, one, definitely, you know, stretch them out, but also teaching them how to engage their glutes, just because because our hip flexors get so tight, they can kind of inhibit the glutes from working um, either at all or properly, and that just kind of throws off a lot of things. So those two, by far, are the biggest ones that just, I mean, probably 75% of people I see have that going on. The the shoulder part, huh? The the movement, the shoulder, and the, the spine, and the hip flexors. Yeah, I mean, and in the shoulder, it's like so many of them, it's just, it comes back to that thoracic, like the behind the shoulder blades, like just lack of movement there so that they can't even move their shoulders correctly just because they're so tight back there. 
Um, and then a lot of it too is because they get all tight, like their breathing gets off and so their neck starts to get tight. It's just, it's kind of a, a, you know, a full storm of just kind of being sedentary and sitting a lot. And that's, that's the thing that trying to encourage people to, to practice moving more, doing the right things, breathing better, that kind of stuff. Well, if you, I mean, if you say it out loud, like, Hey, sitting all day can affect your shoulders. That doesn't Mm -hmm. sound right. You would think hip flexors. Yeah knees yeah legs yeah you know uh people know the back but they don't realize that the shoulders are affected from i guess is it from not moving like not using them the majority of your day like not not having that range of motion yeah i mean definitely there is like a reason injury i mean as we get older the, the rotator cuff and the labrum all of those definitely do take wear and tear over time um, so I don't want to knock that, but at the same time, if like your thoracic spine, the thoracic spine is supposed to be pretty mobile. Your lumbar spine is supposed to be more stable, right? Um, but what happens is our lumbar spine, it usually gets a little bit more loosey-goosey um, just due to lack of stability in our core. And then our thoracic spine, our upper back gets super tight, which then just limits the shoulder motion. So, you know, there's the scapulas or whatever that sit, you know, kind of back there. They help assist, like, raising the arm. And if those aren't moving correctly, if they're not mobile, then that gets into some of that pinching that you can get into the shoulder. So, yeah, really, really tight, tacked down T-spine, what we like to call it. Um, it can really actually inhibit the shoulder motion. So just doing just some daily, just really quick, easy exercises at the end of your day just to um, basically get some extension and motion in there can just lead to massive, massive long-term gains. Um, and that's where it's like just teaching people that. It's like it doesn't have to be this crazy thing, but at the end of the day, if you can just do a couple things just to kind of counterback, counteract what we've been doing all day, um, that's really beneficial. So you give them exercises to go home and do, and then they come see you like once a week, that type of thing? Um, it depends, yeah. So I have some people that are like that. They see me once a week, and they have some homework to do, and then we just kind of keep progressing. Um, but a lot of them actually now see me uh, two times a week. I, and I prefer that just because it gives us more time to kind of work through things. Um, and I think that accelerates the process. You know, if they're coming in just once a week, unless they're super, super motivated, hopefully they're doing the homework, it takes a little bit of time to just, um, you know, correct some things and build up some strength. But those that are coming in two to three times a week, like we're making, you know, we're making gains pretty fast. And so, uh, and those people, you know, we're doing it, it. It would look like a pretty just regular standard strength and conditioning program, but each one is tailored to that person because every person has, you know, a thing we're working on. Um, that makes it fun. It's always kind of different. It's kind of, every every person's like a, a puzzle. Or I have one client; she's an artist, and she likes to say, "This is like my art form." Basically, trying to program and design something that's gonna, you know, make them more efficient, make them hopefully have less pain and that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's well. This is the interesting part to me about uh, your move and watching, you know, knowing you, obviously, but then knowing kind of your starting point, what you're interested in. You moved to Houston with, like, this, it seemed like just a super passion for nutrition, which you still have, but I get to watch all these movement videos now and how, like, it's evolved into this love of constant learning with you of, of the of the movement thing that we just talked about and then the breathing stuff came out of nowhere I was watching an Instagram video like whoa what she's into this like Wim Hof stuff now this is super cool 
to <laughs> to watch this stuff and how good she is at it. Like, did you just one day wake up and just go, oh, I want to be good at that. Okay, I'll just do this breathing method stuff. That's cool. Yeah, that Wim Hof is like a G, by the way. That guy is insane. He is I'm insane. I'm watching and learning some of his stuff. No, I just think, I mean, I love learning. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Um, I, I really enjoy learning, and I think to, to uh, progress and to do well in this field is you have to constantly be learning, and I think you're just starting to see more emphasis put on breathing. Um, and so as I was kind of learning and, you know, just kept kind of like, yeah, breathing's important, and obviously we talk about, you know, there's different type of breathing mechanics when you're lifting, you know, you've got to brace everything, but just being able to have like correct breathing throughout the day is super super important and so i mean you'll notice and you'll see people like um they're like these big chest breathers and they they basically all the motions coming from their chest their ribs are tight their lats are tight everything like that the breathing shallow oftentimes a bit more anxious you see that and that's definitely you see that a lot here in houston it's definitely you know you know that high fast pace kind of get, get work done type of culture um and just so many people come in and they're just so tight from there and then they get them on their back and I have them do some breathing and just trying to do a just standard normal good deep deep breath is really difficult um so that became something and it's something I try to, to implement with a lot of my people and we don't do it all the time just because you know you have an hour with me and you don't want to spend the first five minutes just breathing on the floor <laughs> it's like sometimes they look at me like really I'm like just trust me okay this is good did I pay anything, you to just, just to breathe relax. <laughs> Like yeah, like the part. So, um, but in doing that, you know, you're able to explain how, like, when you start a start a session, we start lying on your back, and you're just practicing getting full breaths, you know, into your belly, but also through the rib cage, trying to, you know, expand it in like a 360 type way. Um, it helps them calm down, and it gives them better range of motion, and they're able to perform things better because they're not coming in so so tight and bound up where the muscles are already tight. It allows us to kind of relax. Um, get out of that fight or flight um, kind of mechanism that we're always in, and it really actually aids their training. So I love doing it there in that in that method, but also love telling them like, hey, if you're in pain or you know some of the, these symptoms that you have, think about laying down and, and breathing because you know a lot of times our muscles get super super tight when we're in pain just because they're trying to protect, and then our breathing gets really choppy and just everything kind of cascades. Instead, it's like focus on your breathing and let those muscles relax. Um, it's just a really good practice just to be able to um, have good breathing just at rest. And, it, you know, one of the things that I teach is if you, we need to have good breathing when we work out. But if we don't have good breathing when we're at rest, we're never going to have a workout. So that's just kind of how that came about. You know, I definitely don't know um, near enough. You know, that's, that's hopefully actually one of the um, I have a list of things I want to get better at this year. And, you know, that's, that's one is just learning more about breath. You know, there's a... Um, uh, a fitness company called uh, Power Speed Endurance. It's called Power Speed Endurance, and they're all about breathing. Um, and I think they have actually even worked with Wim Hof. So um, if you haven't seen them, you should check them out. They've got so many good resources, and they even have clinics. Basically, it's called the Art of Breath, and how that impacts not just our daily living, but also our exercise. Well, yeah, and if anybody has not seen Wim Hof, which I don't know how many people haven't heard the name or at least check out all the videos go listen to the podcast he's been on he's not only an incredible human for what he does and you're like you almost can't believe what he's doing at the same time he's very charismatic with his even with his not so great English 
where you just can't stop listening to this dude talk and you believe everything yeah. he's saying. He's because I think like 100% he believes obviously uh, in all this breathing stuff. So it's it's really neat to watch that to see what he's doing and go is that real? Now, one way I trick myself and you can tell me that if this is a trick or if this is real or not because I get laughed at when I say this. And that is when I'm stretching or when I'm like getting worked on or if I'm feeling, uh, there's a couple things you said I kind of wanted to go over, but if I'm feeling like tight, getting something worked on where it's painful, I focus on breathing to that area. Like let's say my leg is my quad and somebody's working on my quad and it's just painful. I'll like breathe in and I'll focus on trying to breathe to my leg. And then yeah, I've heard that. That's not. I'm not going to laugh at you. Um, I don't know the exact mechanism behind it, but yeah, I think there's something to that. Um, not that you're actually like getting air into that area, but I think it helps probably with blood flow and then just getting to relax. You know, I think just the mind and the, the power that it has you know, over our, our muscles, you know, just being able to basically say, hey, calm down, like don't tense up. This is good. You know, I think breathing into that muscle or just even just mentally thinking about that muscle is, is a really good way to help you relax and not freak out and tighten up and do the opposite of what you should be doing. Yeah, and relieve the pain. And then the other one that you said, the other thing you said was that fight or flight. So Mm -hmm. there was a, I read it, I read some scientific studies on it, and if you breathe in for eight seconds and Mm -hmm. then breathe out for at least eight seconds to ten seconds in that cadence and count it, you actually... Mm -hmm. Not, I don't know if it's shut down or slow down your fight or flight um, mm-hmm. reaction and you become calm. And I've always, so every competition that I've done, if I don't do that, I don't have the good results. But if I do that before I start or endearing, if I'm thinking about it and I start to panic, if I do that and count to, then all of a sudden I seem to move better and flow better. And I don't know if it's mental or if that is a true thing where it, it really does calm your body on like, oh, you're panicking for no reason. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly it. You know, um, just those deep, deep breaths, those long, full exhales. Um, it's also called, so there's a couple different terms for the type of breathing. You know, you've, you've maybe heard diaphragmatic breathing, so trying to breathe with your diaphragm. But it's also called parasympathetic, so the opposite of sympathetic, so the rest and digest. And that just helps you calm down. And that's basically what we tried at the beginning of the session is try to get out of this, this tightness, this anxiety that we're in just so that we can perform better. So I think for you going into a competition and yes, there's nerves, you've got all the workouts you have to do that day, kind of swim into your head. Um, if we're too amped up, that can just tighten us up a bit more. But, um, you know, I think we come down and we relax and just let everything kind of um, just not be so tight and wound up. Like that can really help performance, you know, and I think in a lot of sports, I think you're starting to see that more. You'll see people like in the corner with their eyes closed, just trying to breathe and relax and visualize. Um, So I think there's definitely probably a mental component to that, but, you know, just understanding breathing and the response our body has to that. um, I think there's definitely something to it. I would imagine in everyday life and stress too, like you you said oil and gas people, let's Mm -hmm. say they've got big deadlines and they're really stressed out during the day they've got you know their family stuff at home whatever they've got going on in their lives and this goes across the board for anybody but they work these you know high paying but high pressure jobs Mm -hmm. i imagine 
just taking a moment out of there when you recognize that you're stressed or tense or tight and breathing can also help relieve some of that shoulder stuff that they get into when they hunch over. Yeah, yeah. I think just the posture and everything, you just get so, again, it goes back to that chest breathing and just being able to kind of open things up and just relax and get back into a good posture. You know, and another really, really cool thing, and it's actually how I've used breathing a lot more recently, is in regards to how we eat. And so, um, you know, I'll have people a lot of times start with me, especially if they're like pretty basic with their nutrition. I have them pay attention to how they eat. And a lot of times people like fly through meals, like they're on the go, you know, I'm just as guilty of doing this. Um, but you know, you're on the go, you're eating super fast. Um, Uh-oh, you're getting into my trouble zone. You're getting into my trouble zone right now. <laughs> yeah, you're probably eating in the car while doing this podcast. Uh, uh, I, before the podcast, <laughs> I did. <laughs> but um, so again, going into that meal like that, you're in that kind of sympathetic fight or flight state. Um, and that's not good for our digestion. So even what I've had people do is like, just take some big breaths before you eat, like really deep breaths, try to breathe through the belly and just allow yourself to come down because the digestive system works better when it's in that parasympathetic state. I mean, that's, it's called rest and digest. And so, you know, even just the fact that breathing can help us digest our food better. Like to me, it's like, if you're, if you're trying to maximize whether it's lose weight or even just maximize, um, you know, your performance with eating, like you want to be able to digest and get all the nutrients out of, those, out of that food. And if we're just not, you know, if we're just constantly going, we don't fully extract everything, you know, we're leaving a lot on the table. So just by slowing down before you eat, taking a few deep breaths and then trying to eat slowly and more intentionally, that's kind of the second part of that, you know, that can have major, major um, implications just on, on someone's health. Yeah, that's a problem I have. Um, of just eating too fast in general. And yeah. so you, you're like hitting home with me with this advice that I can take <laughs> and even re-listen to the podcast myself, even though, you know, I, I do that for correcting my interview skills and whatnot, but I get better at being yeah. a podcaster. But I can actually listen to this part again and go, okay, Kim is always on me about how fast I eat. And Logan has the same problem. So he eats fast, just like me. Like, really fast. If you sit a plate in front of me, I eat it like somebody's going to come and steal it. And I don't know if that's because of growing up with brothers or what it is. But that's what, that is just how I eat. And it's not good. And I know it's not good. Like, I know it's not the way I should be doing things. Um, but it's a hard habit to get out of, but to watch. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to pay attention to it because, and Kim's going to appreciate your comment on how fast, uh, on fast eating and that because she's constantly on me Kim's trying to, on it. yeah oh yeah she does her stuff <laughs> yeah she does yeah she does I can't get away with anything <laughs> <laughs> yeah Michael I remember when I first like um, was telling him I'm like I want you to eat slower he would just stare at me like with this like look of like I hate this right now and just eat slow and just chew slowly and just stare at me I'm like okay fine just eat fast I don't care if you don't digest it well. You said okay. Don't look at me like that. Okay, just eat fast. I'm I'm tired of the of the glaring stare, mean looks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, so all this stuff that you you're training on, and and for people who don't know, your husband is a professional golfer, and so all of these things that you get to learn and you study and you're passionate about how does that get passed on to him and improve his 
game, slash on tour, his dieting, everything all around. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's my first sounding board, so when I learn something, I'm like, hey, guess what? Um, and I usually talk to <laughs> the glossy eye look, comes, you know, and he's like, it's not that cool. I'm like, it's really cool. Um, but yeah, he, you know, I think he's, I hope, has benefited a lot from it just because, uh, you know, I, I program his training, and so uh, when he's home, you know, I write his workouts, and a lot of what I'm learning um, and constantly, hopefully, evolving and learning, you know, he gets to do firsthand. Um you know, and then the goal of making him more stable and him more resilient and being able to, you know, play, you know, 72 holes for so, you know, four rounds over four days and still have a lot of energy on that last hole. You know, and I think, honestly, he comes from, he, he worked out his whole life, so um, not like that's new to him, but I think the, the bigger areas have been in, in, obviously, nutrition, but sleep as well. Um, we have really kind of um, dived into sleep as of recently, um, just because, again, just like, digestion and all that kind of stuff you know sleep might be one of the biggest I guess performance enhancing um, things that we have and just being able to really try to pull in on that and try to get your seven to eight hours of sleep and create a good sleep environment so that you're maximizing that I mean just just recovery overall health I mean dig- I mean um, body composition there's like studies to show kind of some correlations there um, just how much sleep has so you know, he definitely gets it, gets all the firsthand information, and we get to try out everything together. Um, but I think it's helped him, and it's it's also kind of opened up some doors with other golfers, just kind of seeing, you know, how Michael, um, you know, he's not a huge guy, but he hits it a long way, and he always has energy kind of on that last hole on the last round. And so they're they're starting to, to wonder, too, like, okay, how do you train? What do you eat? What, what are you drinking? How do you sleep? And I think it's hopefully, um, you know, making a bigger impact even outside of our family. Um, but you know, it's, it's whether you're a professional athlete or you just, you know, go to the gym once a day for an hour, like it all is the same, you know, there's definitely some things that he might need to do differently, but we all can basically master the fundamentals of, you know, eating well, sleeping well, um, managing stress. And that's where that breathing comes in, trying to move well, you know, move with purpose, not just, you know, bang out a bunch of reps and don't care how it looks, but make sure you're doing things correctly. Um, you know, that can just lead to just the kind of long-term success. Well, there, I think you hit it on the head with that last statement is just moving with purpose. And you say moving with purpose, but really, like, I don't care what gym you go to. I mean, as long as you're moving, I think it's great and an exercise. But people see, you know, bodybuilders and they want to get big and they want strong legs like the strong man. And they want all these things and they go in there and they just pump reps out. Like, look at me. I'm going to short it so I can put more weight on the bar so I can move up this this time in percentage or in weight and the ego gets in the way of really moving properly so that they build the proper muscles and that long-term goal playing the long game in this not the short game and like immediate gains like the the long game but then moving with purpose so that when we do get strong we can use it exactly yeah it's that's it. It's, it's, you can definitely kind of cheat your way and get, and get some reps in and get some good weight on there. But to me, to make like long-term gains, and I love that long-term. That's one of the biggest things. You know, I think of. I always like to joke that I want past Jordan to help out future Jordan. So like, <laughs> do the things today, the small things, so moving well, so that in the future, it's like we are hitting those goals. We are doing the things we want to do, and we're doing them. You know, feeling good. We don't feel like crap because we have just beaten our body. Um, we have taken care of it and done the right things, you know, and to me, that's what moving 
purpose, you know, whether your word is longevity or whatever it is, um, to me, purposeful movement is, is just kind of, it's being mindful about what you're doing. It's, it's thinking through the movement, making sure you do it well, that you're fully there. You're not just kind of throwing up the weight overhead. Um, and I think that will just lead to so much, so much benefit. Uh, do you counsel people on the sleeping as well? Because the sleeping subject is something I can speak on to how I feel and being a person that didn't get really any sleep, like three to four hours a night at most, to getting more towards the six hours, seven hours now, um, and feeling worlds different. Do you do you like help people out with a plan for sleeping? You monitor them. Do you tell them to use certain apps? What's your advice on that? Yeah, um, that, that kind of goes into some of the wellness stuff. And so, um, you know, first it's just kind of looking at what they're doing, like where are they at? And again, just like with a movement, like what's the low-hanging fruit? What's the thing that's going to – we can initially attack? And so a lot of times, you know, I have people um, kind of look at their environment. So is your room dark? Is it cold? You know, are you on your phone right up to bed? Which, again, I'm just as, <laughs> just as guilty as that. Um, you know, trying to address those small things that we have control over. Um and then I think a big thing is starting to create like a sleep routine. So we'll kind of work through that, like what that looks like for them. Um, so some people it's, it's reading before some, you know, maybe they go on a walk and then they come home, take a bath and then that helps them calm down. Um, and just trying to figure out what works for that person. So I don't think there's like an ideal, like you need to do this, but we're just trying to figure out, okay, with your schedule and what you've got going on, how can we again, optimize, maximize your sleep? Um, so again, just like with, with anything, just figure out like what's, what's the low hanging fruit that I can change. You know, it doesn't have to be massive, but maybe it's for me, it's, it's just trying to, for me, it's reading before bed because I need to put away my phone. And I mean, it's like clockwork. If I read, I read a page and I'm out and it's just it puts me to sleep. Um, and that just has helped my sleep personally. And so, um, yeah, that is something that I, I work with people on. Um, and I think, you know, just trying to, a lot of it's just education. You know, they come in and they're, again, they're busy, they're tired, they're anxious, and they haven't been sleeping. Well, that's when your injury risk goes up. You know, they've done studies to show, like with athletes, um, you know, those who maybe had less sleep, that their injury risk was higher. Like, that's crazy. Like, just because you didn't get enough sleep, you're more at injury or at risk for injury. So you think about just like the regular CrossFitter or someone at the gym, you know, we're going really, really hard in a workout, maybe grace or something like that and you haven't slept as well, like you're actually at increased risk of injury. And so it's just beyond just obviously there's so many health things, but just for our longevity and and being active, we want to make sure we sleep. So it's really a good, I think it's an awesome selling point what you just said. Uh, To me, listening to to, uh, you present it and saying that you look at their schedule, like that's something that Mm -hmm. you you can say, you need to get eight hours of sleep. But then at the same time, you don't know what their life, like if you don't know what their life is like, they might say that's impossible. Mm -hmm. So if you help them go through their schedule and let them know what they can do, because we can all really get better at stuff. It's just in our minds, we're go, go, go. And we don't think that we can. And I've lived through some of that process myself. I'm guilty as charged on the daily basis of not believing sometimes that I can do stuff. And then I have to remind myself, look how far you've come and look at all the stuff you've added into your life. Like, yes, you can. There yeah. is a way, you know? That's, uh, I, yeah. I love that. Like, look how far you've come. I think we're so easy to say, oh, we're still not there yet. And forget, like, all that we've done to get to that point. Um, yeah, like, you got to look at what you, what what can you do? Like, 
you know, I, I think definitely seven to eight hours is ideal, but I do realize that is just honestly not optimal or that just doesn't work for everybody. And so what's the best that you can do right now? And then again, take an inventory of your day, take an inventory of what you're doing at night. Can you, maybe, maybe you're watching TV more than you realize. Maybe you know, you're taking a little bit longer on social media or whatever it is, you know, and that's an area where you can maybe gain 30 minutes that you could add to your sleep. Um, so I think that's huge. Yeah, you just have to look at your schedule, look at what's realistic and what you can do. But then be honest with yourself. Like we all have time wasters. Um, you know, we all do that throughout the day. Not that it's bad to, to waste time from time to time. But if we're really struggling in some of these fundamental areas, then that might be something we can we can change. Yeah, yeah. And, and not saying you can't get on social media, but saying, yeah. hey, you're on it for an hour and a half. Cut it back 20 minutes and give yourself a little, you know, yeah. give yourself a little extra here. Cut this back uh-huh. maybe five, ten minutes. Like, whatever it is, try to do a little bit less of this. Only do it on these certain days. Whatever works with their schedule. I just like the way you phrased it because it's an appreciation of or and being empathetic to the other person's situation at the same time yeah, trying yeah. to get them better so they can perform their best. What are what are yeah, some of the... What are some of the, like, the, so if I didn't get enough sleep outside of the injury thing, what is some of the things that that causes in a human being? Like lack of sleep? Yeah, like the, the, the lack of sleep. Like, say I'm only getting, like yeah. I was, three to four hours of sleep. Now, I know how I felt, but what are the, like, do you know the like science side of it, like what it actually does to your mm-hmm. body, the dec- maybe your testosterone, your recovery and all that good stuff? Yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, it does definitely have effect on our hormones. So, um, you know, our, our hormones um, can kind of run on kind of same circadian rhythm. And so there's two, like one that, you know, has been pretty well researched and established is that um, lack of sleep and kind of body composition. And so, uh, we have two hormones, um, leptin and ghrelin, and so those can get kind of altered. And so ghrelin is saying, hey, I'm hungry, right? And leptin is, I'm full. But when we are lacking sleep, that those signals can get get off, and the timing of those get off. And so um, we end up feeling more hungry um, more often just because of the hormonal state of our body. So that's one. It's just that it can change those hormones that help control our appetite. You're saying um, you, get, it, you get hungry more often when you don't sleep. That's, I mean, that's what some of the research has shown is that like the, the hunger hormones, it's like the timing of it is off and we end up thinking like we're hungry when we're not. And so it can really throw off kind of our, the time when we eat. Um, wow. But it can also even affect what we eat. So just whether it's because we're just tired or whether it's that hormone cascade, um, we tend to make worse choices when we're tired. And so with food, just, you know, just we tend to maybe go for the thing that sounds better than the thing that's maybe healthier. Um, and I, I, I don't want to fully say it because, again, I'm no sleep expert, but um, there may be a hormonal aspect of that. So just in, like, what we eat and how we eat, the sleep affects that. Um also, just obviously cognitive ability. So, just being able to um, to function well. You know, people will say, "Oh, I, I totally work fine after four hours," but they've done studies that show, "No, you really don't. Like, you're not all there. Your mental processes are slower." And so, maybe that's what you think. You've been at four hours all the time, so that's normal. But imagine if you get eight. Um, so that's one. And then I think one that's super, super cool to me actually. So, there's a book called uh, "Why We Sleep" by Matthew Walker. 
Um, phenomenal book. This guy is genius, and he actually did. You actually may have sent me his podcast a long time ago. Oh, uh, that name sounds familiar. Joe Rogan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, the guy that was Joe Rogan podcast. Yes, I. He's that so guy he's... is awesome. Oh my! I think I listened to the podcast twice. Um, but he was talking about there is a study um, just showing memory retention, and so it's people who are learning a new skill, like we're just taught a new skill. And, you know, they were having some trouble with it, fumbling through it, as we all do a lot of times when we learn a new skill. And they went to sleep, and they came back the next morning and had them do that exact same skill, and it was like 10, 15, 20 times better. Just from sleeping, all they did was sleep. They didn't practice it anymore. So just the amount of memory and skill retention that happens when we're sleeping as well is just, you know, another benefit. So, I mean, again, there's so many benefits to sleep. I mean, you could probably have a full podcast on it. I just cold call. You can get Matthew Walker on. Um, (laughs) I wish. Maybe one day. (laughs) But I let him. He's the expert at that. But um, I just think in just so many ways, cognitive with our body composition, with our health and our hormones, um, you know, when we are sleeping well, we can better handle stress. There's just so many ways that sleeping enough um, is honestly like a big game changer. And so that's one of the first places that start, you know, people come in and they're like complaining that, they still feel tired. They still feel achy. They haven't lost the weight. You know, I ask them, hey, how's your sleep? And oftentimes it's not as good as it could be. And so that that's a, basically something that you're missing out on if we're not trying to improve there. Well, it's just something that you miss because if you say, I'm not losing the weight like I want to, no one wants mm-hmm. to hear how are you sleeping because they're like, sleeping right. doesn't make me lose weight. Like, does it do that? Well, that's what I know. That's where all of your recovery, or the majority of it, comes from, is from sleep. Uh-huh. Because I do know that you produce the most testosterone while you're sleeping. Like, so all these things are, you know, the recovery agents and everything that we need is when we get into the REM sleep. So if we're denying ourselves that, yeah, everything's going to be slow. And you said something. It's so funny because it's like uh, someone who says, um, you know. Oh, I, you know, I play golf better when I'm drunk or I bowl better when I've been drinking or I need to, I need a few drinks. Again. Right. That's so far from the truth. And you, I guess the person doesn't realize that they're not that good because when I was getting four, three to four hours of sleep, I thought that, oh, I can function off of this just fine. Oh yeah, I can. Mm-hmm. But I noticed when Kim started getting me to sleep better and I will give her 100% of the credit being like, no, you need to sleep, sir. Like, you are not. She calls it being Aaron. She's like, you're very Aaron-y right now. She can tell when I haven't slept or ate. So, um, I can tell that I'm just, like, not as sharp. And when I say not as sharp, it's not in a little way. I notice a big difference in how I feel, how I perform, how I think, how I function, how I talk, my reaction time. Everything is heightened when I get even 30 to 30 minutes to an hour more sleep than what I used to. And so, um, no, those words that I said, I was very mistaken. And I am part of that group that said I function fine off of four hours of sleep. I function off of four hours of sleep. Let's say that I can function and I can be good off of four hours of sleep, but I cannot be great off of four hours of sleep. Yep. That's exactly it. I, I always like, you know, I think too, we're, we're good at kind of justifying, you know, the, the brain is good at kind of making excuses and justifying. So I think we know we need to sleep more and we're like, no, 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 I, I operate fine. I'm good with that. And it's like, mm, if we got some electrodes up to your brain, like we would show different <laughs> on, on the scans <laughs> that you're not really functioning as best as you can. Um, so 
Well, if we can trick ourselves, Kim. Kim is awesome. <laughs> yeah, she definitely keeps me in check for sure, and makes me better at all things. Um, <laughs> the the thing about tricking ourselves and telling ourselves, like what I told, not like that right there. How come we can't trick ourselves into thinking I can do practice this, and if I keep doing it, I'm going to improve my breathing, and if I keep doing getting more sleep that I'm going to be better and just keep at that. Why are those things like not sexy versus not sleeping and mm. not doing the proper movement? Like, why is it the opposite? Why is not doing the proper movement and not sleeping, just yeah. getting through stuff, why is that considered sexy and tough versus the the opposite way around is yeah. what it should be? I mean, that's a great question. You know, who knows the if there's like a real like legit answer but I, you know kind of what I've always thought um, you know when I think about nutrition and training is the the stuff that we want to do yes it's not as sexy and it's, it's not going to give us that short term gain right you don't want to go to bed earlier you don't want to eat that way you don't want to whatever it is um, practice your breathing it doesn't give you that short term like oh I love doing this right now um, you know we, we often opt for the short term gain instead of what the long-term game might be. And so I, that, that's always been kind of my approach. It's like, you know, yes, the, what we've got in the here and now might not be the most fun thing. You might rather stay up an extra 30 minutes and watch one more episode of Netflix, or you might rather, you know, maybe have that pizza instead of, you know, um, the meat and the veggies over there. And it's, it's so often it's that short-term game at the expense of the long-term game. And so I think if we can approach it and just try to remember that, it's no easy thing. It, it definitely goes back into, like, establishing good habits. But if we can remember that what we're doing right now is for our good and it is for long-term gain, um, that can help us in the short term when the temptations are a bit more and we're more fatigued and we just don't want to do that thing. Um, but, I mean, we're, we're really good at convincing ourselves that this is better. It's just if we can keep that perspective and keep kind of the goal and what we're trying to get to in mind – I think it makes it a lot easier. You know, again, like I know I function better with enough sleep. Um, and so, yes, there's times we're watching TV or we're doing something and I'm like, I don't want to go to bed yet. But I'm like, I know I have an early client and I know I will be so much happier in the morning if I just go to bed now. And that's enough to be like, okay, go to bed now. Um, wasn't always that way. It took time to get there. Um, but I think that that's the perspective I try to teach and that I try to have myself. Nice. I dig it. I dig it. All right, before we end the podcast, I need to know, New York, first time you've been there, I talked to Michael, and yes, people, it is Michael and Jordan, Michael Jordan, Yep. for sure, Yep. Um, and yep. they are... Hey, did you know we were married on the 23rd? Oh, no, I did not. That makes it even better. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the ultimate power couple, like, that's the greatest couple of all time right there. Um, there uh, I'll take it. So... I want to, like, New York, how long were you there? I know uh, when Michael told me, I was like, man, I know we're going on spring break, but I'm excited and I want to hear about your trip there. Yeah, you're going to New York since spring break? Yeah. Ah, oh, so much fun. It was it was a blast. It was short, so it was my mom, my sister, and I, so those three girls, we went. So it was just kind of a girls' weekend a couple weeks before Christmas. Um and really, like, our itinerary was, like, let's just go walk around and see things. So I think we walked, like, 37 miles in three days. So I was pretty tired when we got back. Um, but we just wanted to see everything. And so we stayed just a few blocks south of Times Square. Um, 
we got there a couple of times. There's this really cool park north of our, our hotel, and they had it like this whole winter um, kind of themed park set up. So there was like an ice skating rink and all these like shops and like a really cool um, like lodge with good food and drink and a big tree. Um, I mean, it's, it's New York at Christmas. There's a bajillion people, but it's still really cool. Um, my favorite thing, and I would so suggest you guys doing this, um, I think it's be so up your alley, is go take like a, a subway across into Brooklyn and then walk across the Brooklyn Bridge back into New York, um, especially like in the morning. It is beautiful. Like you get a full view of the city. You're like over the water. It's just it's this old, really cool bridge. Um, that was probably my favorite thing. Um, second to all the coffee and pizza that I ate. Oh, the coffee is on the plan. The coffee is for sure. Oh, there's so many. Go- I've got places if you need them. I mean, that was like itinerary number one was like, let's find coffee and then we can start the day. <laughs> yeah. And I had a rule. I was like, we cannot have Starbucks. Like, no, like they're everywhere. But it's like, we're in New York. There's so many authentic coffee shops. So I was like, my one rule is like, I don't want to eat someplace and drink someplace that I can't get in Houston. Yeah, go to the local places and get like experience the New York coffee scene, I guess you say, yeah. and and the like yeah. all the diversity that you have with all the different places to get it and that stuff. I mean, for sure, I'm excited. I don't know how many people are as big coffee dorks as us two, but that is like top yeah. of the list. So, what is your what was your favorite coffee shop there? I gotta know before I go. I don't want to butcher the name. I think it's called Blue Lane. It's an Australian-run coffee company. There are a couple around town. So the one I went to is actually in Brooklyn. I got a coffee and then walked across the Brooklyn Bridge. So maybe that's why it's like stick. I was just thinking the same thing about when you were talking about walking across the bridge. I pictured doing it like getting a cup of coffee early in the morning or walking across (laughs) it. Yep. That's exactly what I did. So there's a coffee shop right there. I can just get it. It's um, called Blue Lane. And it's, yeah, it's like, I mean, it's founded by Australians. The one I went to, they were all Australian in there. So that was really cool. Um, they used to make really good coffee. Um, they had this thing called Magic, but basically it was like a Cortado. Um, so that one. Um, and there's another one, I think maybe called Birch. That's really, really good. Um, but yeah, you really can't go wrong. There's so many good places. But Blue Lane, definitely try that one. Blue Lane. All right. Okay, Jordan, before we leave, plug the place where you're working uh, your services, the Instagram, the Facebook, anything that you want to throw it out there so that everybody can know where to find you for movement and breathing and overall health and everything. Yeah, um, you can find me on Instagram at SST Jordan. So spine and sports therapy. And so it's SST Jordan. Um, working on a website, so that will be up there soon. Uh, Michael's actually helping me with that, so we'll get that live. Um, but also, the, the office that I'm with is Spine and Sports Therapy. Um, so we're just based out of Houston and yeah, if you ever need a really good chiropractor in Houston I definitely recommend them they, they know what they're doing I didn't even say that because I worked there I was a patient long before I ever worked there um, yeah so that's where you can find me alright awesome well thanks for doing this Jordan I appreciate it yeah thanks so much Aaron that was fun